Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener on our private feed where you'll have ad-free episodes and join us in Zoom meetups to meet other listeners of our podcast community. Go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes. You're about to listen to a Women in Tech Remix episode, where we present to you a curated selection of impactful clips from previous episodes that you may have missed. And be sure to follow the links in the show notes to listen to the full episodes. Three, two, one. My name is Esprit Devora, host of the Women in Tech show. The show means a lot to me. The reason why I wanted to create the Women in Tech show is I wanted to create a positive piece of content, something where people can listen and say, if she can do it, so can I. Hi, this is Mia Kogan-Spivak, senior in high school that hopes to study neuroscience and hopefully become a doctor, maybe a pediatrician, just outside of Boston. I think it depends on the situation. And unfortunately, I'm going to say the annoying thing, which is like, it's very case by case. Personally, for me, I'm, I was actually okay when we went on Zoom. I'm better in person, but I was okay when we went on Zoom. I didn't, my, like my academics didn't suffer. My social skills, not social skills, but my social connections did. And what I really missed was like connections with my teachers and sort of like the Again, the natural human, like little conversations and things we have when we're all together versus, Mm. you know, behind a screen muted. Like even walking to a chair and you walk past someone and you say hi. Right, right. Um, So like I will say that my senior year has been way better than my junior year simply because I am like, I mean, I don't know if my teachers would agree, but I'm like BFFs with like three of my teachers. Wait, are you back in in person or virtual? Yeah, I'm back in person. Okay. I'm back in person. Yeah. And so I think what I was going to say is that one-on-one, like me and my math um, two T's, it's actually, it's not bad. Like I, I have a similar feeling to when I was in person a couple of years ago. It can, it's a little more like difficult just because, you know, I have this one girl who like starts typing on the computer because she like wants to go do other things. So like the, the factor of the computer screen is just a distractor. But other than that, she we she and I like have these great funny conversations and all these kinds of things. But I think like in a classroom setting, it's really difficult. It's it's really difficult when it's online because I just, I just like how are you supposed to connect? And then it's like all oh, breakout rooms. Nobody talks in breakout <laughs> rooms unless you have to. And so it's just, you know, so that's what I would say, like. It depends on the kid. I was okay online academically. Like I was learning sort of fine. Um, But with the sort of human connection one-on-one, it's all right. Or maybe like a small group in a classroom setting, it, it sucks. It's bad. Unless, you know, the kids are really open with each other and know each other really well, which is usually not the case, especially if you start the school year online. It's like, what the heck? So yeah. I'm curious about building your community in STEM at school versus you needing to intentionally and proactively go find it. Is that community for you at school or is that something that you've had to strive for? I think in terms of 
just strictly classes, like scheduled classes on my schedule, especially my senior year, it's been really easy to get involved in certain STEM things because I have so many options to choose from. Like, you know, we have three years of English required, those kinds of things. But once you get to senior year, you have less requirements and more options. So for example, I'm taking three science classes. Like last year I took two and that was like the absolute maximum. So that's something that I've enjoyed is that I find more STEM kids, more people in tech and STEM and whatever, because I have this opportunity to get more into STEM or more, you know, more into whatever else I might be interested in. The other thing is that we do have a lot of clubs and I'm going to say, which I'm a little sad with myself that I, I'm not a part of any clubs at school. It's just never really been my jam, but you know, maybe if freshman year me had been different, it would be my jam, but we actually do have a lot of, there's a um, STEM, STEM mentors, like STEM mentors club, which pretty much they do what I do, but they're affiliated with an elementary school. So I do think in some ways, like it's very much there, but it's just about me or, you know, whoever else going to be a part of it. This is Lex Euler, founder and CEO of PT Pay. We help make the patient experience better when paying medical bills. I am based in Los Angeles. So uh, at some point, I think, yeah, we might miss out on some things, but I don't know. Like the truth is like I do. And I have like throughout my career, I have missed out on opportunities because of how I behave online. That is 100% true. I have no desire to change who I am online though. So it's like, is that an opportunity I want? Like, I don't know, is the opportunity enough for me to want to be boring on the internet? Like, no, like my like favorite thing in the world is being unhinged online. Uh, And it works. Like yesterday I tweeted which one of my investors is going to buy me an eight sleep for Christmas? I'm effing tired. And anyways, they're fighting over which one is going to send it to me. So I'm like, I could be more professional or I could get a free mattress. Like, I don't know. Like, we're just like out here doing our best. But I also think, you know, as unhinged or whatever as I am online or authentic or however you want to phrase it, if you went through like my entire internet history, there's like a common thread of like, I'm genuinely helpful to people and I stay very respectful. Um, And then I'm constantly kind of like rooting for the underdog. Like that's like the general themes of things that have like never really changed. Yeah. And I think because of that, people were like, okay, she's not really unhinged. This is just like part of like who she is online. But I also, I always saw my internet persona and me IRL were very different. I had this belief. The thing is, is no one from my internet life had ever met me in real life. Like they were very separate. My IRL people, they're not on Twitter. They're, I don't know what they do. They (laughs) raise their families and like text me and sometimes FaceTime. And it wasn't until this last year that I realized like, okay, everyone I know in my life now, I basically know from the internet. Like I threw a party at my house this last weekend for a founder friend's birthday slash Halloween. And everyone there knew me from Twitter. And then they, they're always like, you are the most similar online as you are in real life. And I'm like, this is news to me. I thought they were completely different. I thought they were. And now I'm like, I don't know, when did they mold together? Maybe they always have been. I'm not really sure. But I think now we've hit a point of like, wow, I really am the same online as I am like in the world, except for like, I'm, I'm also like a hyper introvert and I don't think people realize that right away. Same. I'm like a really intense introvert. Um, 
And I don't come off like that online because I'm like, well, the internet is how I dealt with being such an intense introvert who also has so much to say. Hey, this is Amanda Light, co-founder and director of growth at Nimbler.ai, an AI scheduling and communication platform based in Los Angeles. Yeah, I, I remember like the first day that my dad brought home a flip phone that had a camera. I, w- I couldn't put it down. And he had an old like compact laptop, probably weighed as much as I did that I would lug with me everywhere. But so I guess those were some early signs. But I've just always been interested in tech and everything that it brings. Um, I always knew that I wanted to kind of have some sort of sales role, some sort of leadership role. And I mean, tech is, is the perfect place for that. So if, for me, it's just been about finding my fit, finding my people, finding the industries that are kind of ripe for innovation and things like that. I did have some early inklings for sure. And when did you start Nimbler? We started Nimbler in 2017. And what inspired Nimbler? Yeah, so we came together with basically the problem that we wanted to solve is the problem of no-shows in healthcare. And it sounds simple, but it's a $150 billion problem um, today, just in the U.S. alone. So it was nice to come into it with one simple problem. We wanted to bring a solution into the market. And the other problem, why healthcare can be so fragmented in technology is because one you know, medical group, for example, doesn't want to have 30 different technologies, 30 different softwares. And so we were like, whatever we build, it's going to be synced into their existing technology, their existing software. So that was, we kind of ran with that. And we have our CTO has a background out of Stanford Research Institute, long background in AI. And so we basically harness this AI technology just with the conversational piece, making the outcomes kind of a lot better. So automating the patient communication in sync with those digital existing calendars or in healthcare, they're called an EHR, electronic health record. So Holly is like automating the job of a call center, essentially. So for you and I, it's any reason that you would call your doctor's office or they would need to call you, right? We automate that. And then we're working in sync behind the scenes to update it just as a receptionist would. Before Nimbler, what was your journey to get to Nimbler? What were you, who were you before then? Yeah. So when I was in college, I started a job that was like part-time for another entrepreneur, but it was, it was more like a sales gig essentially. Um, And it was in logistics, which is another great industry, very, very ripe for innovation and defragmenting, not a very sexy industry, but (laughs) (laughs) so I started kind of working for him. He had a consulting company. So making calls, you know, doing the the grind, the sales work. He was building this kind of marketplace, not really a silo, but in healthcare to connect in, sorry, in um, logistics to connect right. forwarders with shippers and customers, independent sales reps. It's very, there's a lot of moving parts there. So I loved what he was doing. He, he inspired me. And so I kind of started with sales for him. And then he had this prototype and he was after college, he was like, do you want to try this out with me and see if we can't figure out who to sell this to, how to sell it, what we need to change about it, what our product market fit is. And I was like, that sounds like fun. Let's do it. So he went in a little bit of a different direction and we're still working on another product in logistics, which is awesome. And I still work with him on, on a weekly basis. But basically that gave me the taste of entrepreneurship and I loved it, right? Wearing all the hats, trying everything, grinding and and learning so fast. And then after that, I did more of like a a corporate role, which was really interesting, right? Especially from a sales perspective, just the numbers, the inputs, the outputs, how sales is just repeating, repeating, memorizing, knowing what to say. And I really loved kind of seeing the ins and outs of that like well-oiled sales machine from 50 sales reps at a company. So that really helped me understand, right? Once you build these things, what do they look like? So then I had that corporate experience, which I liked, but if you're an entrepreneur saying the same thing, you know, the money might be good or what have you, but it was missing a little something for me. So basically Nimbler happened and here we are. 
The Women in Tech podcast is hosted and produced by me, Esprit Devora, With help from Janice Geronimo. Edited by Corey Jennings. Production and voiceover by Adam Carroll. And music from Jay Huffman Live and Epidemic Sound. The Women in Tech podcast is a wearetech.fm production. Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener, go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes.